Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. It's time for Lombardi Memories. So it takes you back in time, into January or February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all of sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips. You can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com where you can find all of my books. Today we have Super Bowl 41, which was held on February 4th, 2007 at Dolphin Stadium in Miami, Florida. Between the second-time NFC champion Chicago Bears and the AFC champion Indianapolis Colts, who were in the Super Bowl for the first time since moving to Indy in 1984. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, Indianapolis overcame an eight-point deficit in this game. How many times before this game did a team come back from down by more than eight points to win? The answer will come at the end of the podcast. I'd also like to let you know about Homefield Apparel. They have premium collegiate apparel, which is incredibly comfortable and officially licensed by over 150 colleges. I got a USC shirt with the Trojans original mascot George Tirebiter the dog. It got me to look up the history of the dog and how he was the Trojan's mascot before they went with Traveler the horse. And that was only one of many cool designs that they have for USC alone, not to mention the other 150 colleges. If you want to get some yourself, head on over to homefieldapparel.com and use code SPORTSHISTORY, all one word, for 15% off. The Indianapolis Colts were known as playoff chokers. Every year they'd have a great regular season, and every year they found a new way to lose in the playoffs. In 2003, they reached the AFC Championship game, but got shut down by the Patriots. In 2004, they made it to the divisional round, where New England ended their season again. And in 2005, the Colts were the number one overall seed, but they didn't win a single playoff game following the Pittsburgh in the divisional round. 
In 2006, though, things were finally different. This time, the Colts were the number three seed. They knocked Kansas City out of the wildcard round with a 23-8 victory. Then kicker Adam Vinatieri scored all 15 points on five field goals against the Ravens in a 15-6 divisional round win. Finally, the big test came at home against New England in the AFC Championship game. Quarterback Peyton Manning brought the Colts back from an 18-point deficit and the Colts defeated the Patriots 38-34 to go to their first Super Bowl since moving to Indianapolis. Manning had another banner year, throwing for nearly 4,400 yards and 31 touchdowns with just nine interceptions. He had two 1,300-yard receivers, Marvin Harrison with 12 touchdowns and Reggie Wayne with nine. In the backfield, Joseph Adai ran for over 1,000 yards with seven touchdowns, and Dominic Rhodes ran for another 600-plus yards and five touchdowns. Even tight ends Dallas Clark and Ben Utech were both over 350 receiving yards. The Colts were absolutely stacked on offense, and they weren't too bad on defense either. Linebacker Robert Mathis led the team with nine and a half sacks, and the defensive end, Dwight Freeney, had another five and a half. As for the Chicago Bears, they finished with the best record in the NFC at 13-3. They started out the season 7-0, and and the only game they lost in December was a New Year's Eve meaningless finale against Green Bay. They managed to get past the Seattle Seahawks 27-24 in overtime, then they crossed the New Orleans Saints 39-14 to advance to their second Super Bowl. The Bears were built all around defense and special teams. Defensive end Mark Anderson had 12 sacks. Defensive backs Randy Manning and Charles Tillman each had five interceptions. Players such as linebacker Brian Erlacher and defensive back Nathan Vassar were big playmakers whose impact went far beyond the score sheet. And of course, the Bears had return specialist Devin Hester, who returned three kickoffs, two punts, and one field goal for six touchdowns. Offensively, the Bears didn't have as much talent. Quarterback Greg Grossman threw for over 3,200 yards, but he had 20 interceptions to match his 23 touchdowns. Running back Thomas Jones ran for over 1,200 yards, and the Bears had three receivers with over 600 yards in Moosin Muhammad, Bernard Berrien, and Desmond Clark. They weren't nearly as flashy as the Colts, which is probably why they came into Super Bowl 41 in Miami as six-point, six-and-a-half-point underdogs. This was the first Super Bowl with two African-American head coaches, Tony Dungy of the Colts and Lovey Smith of the Bears. The winner of this game would become the first African-American head coach to win a Super Bowl. Both are upstanding men who are deeply spiritual. You weren't going to hear any cursing or swearing around them. A couple of really good guys. CBS announcer Phil Simms put his foot in his mouth twice before the opening kickoff 
with his predict predictions. First, he said, I do not think weather is going to be a factor. Then, whenever the Colts lost the coin toss and the Bears chose to receive, Phil Simms said, it was a blessing losing the coin toss. Of course, we know what happened next. Rain poured down the remainder of the game, making for slippery conditions and loose football, so weather definitely did play a huge factor. And the Colts' loss of the coin toss hurt them immensely when Hester returned the opening kickoff 92 yards for a touchdown. The Colts tried to kick it away from Hester, angling it toward the sidelines, but they would have been better just kicking it out of bounds. Hester took the ball, ran toward the middle, juked, and sprinted down the right sideline for a 92-yard touchdown. The Bears took a 7-0 lead to start the game. Manning took over at his own 31-yard line. He almost had his opening pass intercepted by Erlacher, who tipped it, but it fell incomplete. Adai ran for 14 yards in a first down, but then Manning almost got picked off again by Vassar. That one was incomplete, too. Then two plays later, Manning was actually picked off, this time around, by defensive back Chris Harris. The Bears went three and out and punted. This would prove to be a theme on this rainy night in Miami. The Colts took the ball back on their own 20. Adai ran for six yards, and Manning hit Harrison for a first down. Adai hold in a pass for five more, then Clark picked up the first down on the reception. That's Dallas Clark, the tight end. Facing third down a little bit later, May Manning found Reggie Wayne wide open for a 53-yard touchdown. While punter Hunter Smith bots the hold of the extra point, the Colts have at least gotten on the board. They are now down 7-6. This time when the Colts kicked off, Vinatieri kicked it low and the Bears fumbled. Mathis knocked the ball out and linebacker Taiwan Hagler picked it up for Indianapolis. Only a play later, though, Adai fumbled, having the ball stripped by defensive end Alex Brown and picked up by Anderson. Jones then ripped off a 52-yard run into deep into Indianapolis territory. And then on third down, Grossman found Muhammad for a four-yard touchdown, and the Bears took a 14-6 lead. The Colts went three and out and punted to Hester. The returner avoided two hits before stepping out of bounds at the 35. Grossman then threw to Berrien, who never got his second foot in, but it was ruled a force out, and it was a first down for Chicago. But next, running back Cedric Benson had the ball knocked out of his hands by defensive back Bob Sanders. Freeney recovered the loose ball for Indianapolis. The first quarter ended with the teams trading punts. With four turnovers in the first quarter, it was the most turnovers by two teams combined in a first quarter of any Super Bowl. Manning threw to a die for a first down into Bears territory. He then hit Harrison for 15 yards. A die ran twice for pickups of 6 and 10 yards. 
Manning then went back to Harrison, got to the 16-yard line, but that's as far as the Colts would go. Vinatieri made a 29-yard field goal and cut the deficit to 14-9. The Colts' defense stopped the Bears again, forced another three and out. Manning threw to Harrison for a first down to the Chicago 36. He then hit Clark for 17 more yards. Rhodes took the ball on four of the next five plays, picking up a first down and then scoring a one-yard touchdown. Choosing not to chase the points, Dungey had Benetieri kick the extra point, and the Colts went ahead by two, 16-14. The Bears went three and out once more, and the Colts had a chance to add to their lead. Adai ran three times and caught two passes to move the ball into Chicago territory under the two-minute warning. Manning then threw to tight end Brian Fletcher, who fumbled. Tillman stripped him of the ball and recovered the fumble. But only a play later, Grossman gave it right back. He fumbled the snap, and defensive end Raheem Brock fell on top of it for Indianapolis at the Chicago 35. With little time left before the half, Rhodes ran for a first down, and he caught a pass to get to the 17. After a timeout, Adai got stunned by Erlacher for a loss, and Dungey decided to take the field goal. He called timeout with two seconds left. Vinatieri was all but automatic on these kicks, but not tonight in the purple rain. He missed from 36 yards out wide left. Colts went to the locker room with just a 16-14 lead. And that's whenever Prince came out and played a perfect halftime show where he played Purple Rain in the midst of a torrential downpour and purple lights. The halftime show was so much better than anything that happened in this sloppy game. It was truly a halftime show to remember. The Colts got the ball to start the second half. Manning went run-heavy, handing the ball off to Adai a bunch and throwing a few short passes to him as well. Altogether, Adai touched the ball nine times on this drive, getting the Colts deep into Chicago territory. Manning completed a third-down pass to Clark, but then got cut short of the first down. After an unsuccessful challenge by Dungey when he hoped to catch the Bears with 12 men on the field, the Colts then had to just kick the field goal. Vinatieri converted from 24 yards out to make it 19-14. Grossman completed passes to Jones and Muhammad to get into Colts' territory. Facing second and one, though, Grossman slipped and fell, and he was sacked by defensive tackle Anthony McFarlane. Then he fumbled a snap, and Mathis and Brock combined to sack him again. The Bears were forced to punt once again. Rhodes started the next drive by ripping off a 36-yard run. He ran for another eight, and the Bears got called for a personal foul face mask penalty. But the Colts were unable to punch it in, getting as far as the two. Vinatieri made a 20-yard field goal, and the Colts now led 22-14. to 
The Bears put together their really their last threat of the game was on this next possession. The Colts got flagged on the kickoff and it put Chicago and Indianapolis territory to start it off. Jones ran twice and got a first down. He got the Bears as far as the 16-yard line before the drive stalled. So kicker Robbie Gold made a 44-yard field goal. And the Bears cut their deficit to 22-17 to at the end of three quarters. Manning fired to the sideline to Harrison, who was called out of bounds. However, Dungey challenged and won the challenge because it was ruled a catch. And then Manning threw the Wayne for eight more yards, getting a first down. But all that, and the Colts had a punt anyway. So now the Bears started their next drive, getting called for holding. A couple plays later, Grossman made up for it, threw to Muhammad for a 21-yard game. But on the very next play, Grossman made the back-breaking mistake. He threw an interception to defensive back Kelvin Hayden on the sideline, who barely stayed in bounds and went 56 yards for a touchdown. The Bears challenged to see if he had stepped out of bounds, but the Fizzles ruled him inbounds, and the Colts now went ahead 29-17. to Now in desperation mode, Grossman compounded the problem by throwing another interception, this one to Bob Sanders, who returned it to the Chicago 40. The Colts weren't able to score off it, but they punted it down to the 8. Now the Bears had to go 92 yards. Grossman threw three consecutive passes to Desmond Clark, and Jones ran for another first down to the 46. But, facing fourth and nine, Clark had the ball knocked out of his hands, and the Bears turned it over on downs. After the two-minute warning, the Colts turned the ball over on downs, and there was hardly any time left. The Bears were out of timeouts, down by 12. Needed a miracle at this point, but it wasn't happening. Grossman completed a bunch of passes inbounds because the Colts let him have whatever he wanted inbounds, and the clock bled down to zero. Time ran out on the Bears, and Dungey and the Colts were Super Bowl champions. The Colts successfully came back from that 14 Six deficit to win this game. They were the third team to recover from such a deficit in the Super Bowl. Happened twice before. Washington came back from down 10 points against Denver in Super Bowl 22, and the Giants recovered from a nine-point deficit to Buffalo in Super Bowl 25. And that is the answer to today's pop quiz question two times. Peyton Manning was named MVP for his 247-yard, one-touchdown performance. But he didn't deserve the MVP. Instead, it sort of been split between Rhodes and Adai. Rhodes ran for 113 yards and a touchdown, and Adai put up 143 scrimmage yards while catching 10 passes. Those two controlled this game for the Colts, not Manning. I get the feeling Manning got the word just because of name recognition. The most valuable player of the losing team was Hester. Not only did he return that kickoff for a touchdown, but he forced Vinatieri into sore kicks for almost the rest of the night. 
Vinatieri ended up with just one touchback. About a lot of times, the Bears got good field position. Hester was a true game changer, but he was not enough on his own to save the team. The least valuable player of this game, sadly, is Grossman. While he completed 20 of his 28 passes, he ended up with just 165 yards and only one touchdown as opposed to two interceptions. He threw the game away in the fourth quarter with his two interceptions. If he had played better, Chicago would have had more than a fighting chance in this game. Now, who's the best player in this game that you don't remember? Well, how about linebacker Cato June for the Colts? He ended up with seven tackles in this game, five of them solo tackles. Most of these other Colts names you'll recognize, but you probably don't remember June, who had a great day on defense. The biggest play of this game was Hayden's pick six. That essentially won the game for the Colts, making it a 12-point game and ending any real Chicago comeback chances. But the biggest play you don't remember is Grossman's back-to-back mishaps in the third quarter. He had second and one and a chance to move the ball in the cold territory. Instead, he stumbled once and fumbled another time, and soon the Bears were punting. That led to a Colts field goal. It was truly a back-breaking moment. This time for homework, I have you going with Quiet Stream by Tony Dungy. He's written a bunch of books, actually, and any of them would be a good choice to commemorate his landmark victory in the Super Bowl. Dungy paved the way for Mike Tomlin to become the second African-American head coach to win a Super Bowl just two years later. Next time, we will have what I believe is the greatest Super Bowl of all time, the wildcard New York Giants against the 16-0 New England Patriots. What could happen? It's a game for the ages, and it will be covered right here for you to enjoy. Can the Patriots become the league's first 19-0 team? Or will the Giants pull off an upset of monumental proportions? It all comes your way in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, visit my website at nifty90s.com to see all my books. This is Tommy A. Phillips signing off. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians, you'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? 
I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.